cuts it back 40, 45, 50. He's off to the races. Down the left sideline. To the 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. Oh, what a play. This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? It is time for the Quick Slants Podcast at Game On Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. I sound a little raspy, and that is because I am fresh off of a game in the stands at Lambeau Field Monday night as the Packers defeated the Detroit Lions and got their first victory of the 2021 season. So excited to be back here. As always, follow me on Twitter, at Jason Perrone. Send me your questions, comments, thoughts. And before we jump into a ton of stuff that I have to say about a great weekend that I spent in Wisconsin and in Green Bay at the Packers game, I want to remind everybody that the Quick Science Podcast is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. So, it was a phenomenal weekend that I spent in the state of Wisconsin visiting uh, in a short, very short stint in the Milwaukee area because I was there to be in Green Bay for a Game on Wisconsin event that went beautifully and I had such a good time at but it was just, you know, it's not just the game. It's being able to see friends, checking out some of my spots in the warmer weather. This was a, you know, a September visit. The last couple of games I've been to were cold. That was great. The food, the vibes, just seeing people out and about again. Summerfest was going on. Just a really cool thing to see Wisconsin a little more in its element, if you will. And I really enjoyed it and had a great time there this weekend. And when I got to Green Bay, you know, I immediately went to the Green Bay Distillery where we were having the event and we, we our, our game weekend event that we did there. And we invited some fans and all of our podcasters and live shows and our family and everybody to come out and, and to say that it was incredible to finally meet the ladies and gentlemen who I work with and have done shows with is just not does not describe it it was it was awesome to finally meet them in person and and just now we know that we're all real people you know there's real people behind the names on our team and it and it's it's just still it's it's astonishing to me that the internet has allowed us to meet each other and do these shows for everybody for all of you it's it's just it's it was such a fun evening it was just awesome to hang out with everybody and and to have people coming up to me and saying, "Hey, Jason," and, and they recognize me for my pictures and you know the gray hair is the big giveaway too. I know, haha. But it was it was a great time and I want to give a special shout out to Jacob Westendorf, uh, the head of the table at Game On Wisconsin, and for all that he does and he does more than any of us know to make all of these things happen that we do every single day for you. Our written content, our live shows, our podcasts the MVS show this year, everything we do, uh, blood, sweat, and tears from that guy. And he put together a great event. His family was there. 
Mom and dad did not get a chance to meet Blake. I remain hopeful that will happen at some point. But the, the level of support, we had some fans that came out to see us. We had great attendance. We did some giveaways. I mean, we, we had fans that just came out for this event. They weren't even going to the game. They came up just to, to see Game On Wisconsin and meet some of their favorite podcasters and live show hosts. And I had a chance to talk to and meet Katie Sunderman and, and had a really good time getting to know Katie, one of our biggest supporters. Just just so cool. And I had to call it out. Had to call it out. So everybody that was there and everybody I had a chance to thank to uh, chat with, I want to thank you all so much for a few minutes to chat and just get to know each other because that's how we keep this team stronger and better than ever. So we'll do them again. Make sure you check out Game On Wisconsin. We'll do more events and more chances to get together and meet people. But it was a great time. And that was that was Sunday. That wasn't even the game. Now we get to the game. And before we do that, we had a little bit of Packers news that hit earlier this week. Jay Sternberger was released on Tuesday. He was set to come off of a suspension, a two-game suspension. The Packers would have had to make a roster move to bring Sternberger back to the team with Dominique Daphne playing well enough. And I'm going to assume that Josiah DeGuaro is likely to return from the head injury that he suffered in week one. The Packers felt that they did not want to give up another roster spot somewhere else to add Sternberger back to it and instead have decided to let him go. So he will hit waivers, and a team can claim him if they do. Uh, They'll have to add him to the active roster. So we'll see who else might be high on the former third rounder. The Packers can add him back to the practice squad if they want to after he clears waivers. It seems uh, to me, however, though, I think the team is likely moving on from Sternberger, and he'll be free to find his next stop. So I had high hopes for him last season. He was my breakout player candidate before the 2020 season. Just didn't pan out between injuries, his off-field issues, and being a healthy scratch, especially in the playoffs. It was obvious that he just never put it all together. So a lot was said about the many recent third-rounders who have not panned out since the Sternberger release, and we can add Jace, unfortunately, to that list. So Jace Sternberger's time in Green Bay has come to an end. On we move to the game. The Packers at least for one game, right of the ship. They got a big win over the Detroit Lions, and it wasn't without the drama, of course. We have to stay on brand, and so far in 2021, it is all about the drama and the Green Bay Packers. Packers didn't actually take the lead until the second half, and then they just ran away with it. And maybe this is the spark and the beginning of what we hoped this season was going to be, and this is a catapulting moment for the Packers to rock and roll. That's the Reader's Digest version of it. As far as the takeaways, because much has already been said about the game itself, so we don't need to go into the specifics of what happened. I just want to dive into some of the takeaways. The The first one I want to talk about is the defense, and I apologize in advance. I'm taking some water breaks here to keep my throat working, but I did not not want to do the show. I missed Monday's show, and so I want to make sure I do this one. So, The defense, we'll start with the defense. They were on the field first, and without any delay, cornerback Kevin King gives up a deep ball. Former Badger, Quintez Cephas, Lions receiver, catches a ball, gets behind King, and it it sets up a goal-to-go situation, and Cephas ends up catching a touchdown pass with Eric Stokes in coverage. Lions are up 7-0. 
first opening drive of the, of this of this game and the defense just let let the Lions go down the field and score. Now, Kevin King, we know is an issue at corner. He's had his problems, he's had his struggles. Stokes is still learning. He's going through growing pains as well. But he made a few plays throughout the night. It appears that it's time to get Stokes more more opportunity on the field and reduce the number of snaps that Kevin King is out there. Kevin King can still play. He's still a decent player. I just don't, he shouldn't be out there on the regular. So it's now on defensive coordinator Joe Barry and his staff. If they're going to keep trotting Kevin King out there as a starter and he's going to play a ton of snaps, that's on the coaching staff. Because you have a player that I think has already shown in Stokes that he can and should be out there. That he couldn't can and should be out there over Kevin King. And that's we don't need to see much more of a sample size from Stokes that that's the case at this point. That's just my take. King's a liability. He is going to continue to cost the defense yards and points. It's his fifth year in the league. There is no surprise anymore. He is who he is. 2019 was an anomaly. Kevin King is just not a playmaker. He's not special. He's not going to do anything special. He's a body. But Chandon Sullivan suffered an injury late in the game against Detroit. So we'll see what the injury report says later this week. But it appears that Kevin King is going to see some significant time for this upcoming week's game against the 49ers on the road. Not really where you want to be, but as soon as everyone is healthy, I think the Packers simply have to understand they cannot continue to act like Kevin King is the best option to be out there for the majority of the snaps. He's a role player, and that's fine. Um, But as a starter and playing the most snaps, no, not appropriate. And the Joe Barry defense for the second week in a row, I think really failed to flash anything special in general. We, we know where the holes are on this defense, and we know Kevin King is one of them. Uh, the defensive line, I'm not going to indict Joe Barry. It's only two games. But we've already heard some chatter this week about Barry, and there's a lot of questions about whether or not he's going to be the guy to lead this all-in defense on an all-in Packers team in 2021 to what they need to be. Head coach Matt LaFleur said in his post-game press conference that he spoke with Barry during the game, and he told him that more needed to be done to get the Lions quarterback Jared Goff off of his spot. Goff was, he had all day long to throw. I mean, he's making sandwiches and taking naps in the pocket. All the cliches, and it was true. I joked with some friends of mine who were texting during the game and said, how's the vibe? What's going on? And I said, I just want you to know, as long as it seems that Jared Goff has on TV, it is worse in person. It was it was just, I mean, just all day. And look, no Zadarius Smith, I get it. But the rush until the second half was non-existent. So whatever Matt LaFleur said to Joe Barry had to have helped. And I don't know if the Lions play calling helped them too. The Lions were 0 for 2 on fourth down, and they had a fourth and one situation. They've been running the ball well. DeAndre Swift was running very well. They only had to pick up one yard. They got Jamal Williams, and they threw it. For whatever reason, they opted to throw, and Jared Goff threw an incomplete pass. So that's how you make quarterbacks like Jared Goff. You give them too much time 
You know, guys like that, like Goff and others who are just okay, you make them look great. And if you if you want an example, just look at the touchdown pass that Goff threw to TJ Hawkinson early on. Just way too much time. And then he makes a throw and, and you've got a linebacker in coverage and easy, simple, simple stuff, right? Got to have a pass rush. Got to get more pressure on the passer. You've got to be more aggressive. One other thing I said during the offseason was I think the turnovers have been far too few over the past two seasons. As good as the defense was at the end of last season, they still weren't taking the ball away. They had three picks in the NFC Championship game. That was great. They still lost. But during the season, they didn't get enough turnovers. They got two against Detroit. So can it continue? They had a fumble recovery. They had an interception. And it depends on how aggressive the defense is going to be. I didn't see the aggressive nature or the desire out there. I haven't seen it yet. And that's a mentality that a defense has to have. I've talked about how your players, you don't go rogue and not do what the coaches tell you, but your players make plays. So once the ball's in the air, once the ball's in the hands of the ball carrier, I don't care what your assignment is anymore. Your assignment is to get the ball carrier down. Be aggressive. It's a mentality. Does this Packers team have it? I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I said, before the season started, I have two tipping points this this season, and Joe Barry was one of them, and that's why. He inherited a near top 10 defense, and he has them looking very average so far through two games. And the Packers have not played. Neither the Saints or the Lions are a juggernaut. The Saints got run by the Carolina Panthers. And I'm not saying the Carolina Panthers aren't good, but the Saints didn't come out and light the world on fire against Carolina. So the Packers probably didn't didn't need to be losing by 35. The defense just very average. And again, his head coach felt compelled enough, his boss felt compelled enough to tell the world in a presser that he went up to Joe Barry and told him what he needed his defensive coordinator to do after giving up 17 points in the first half. And again, if we agree that this is an all-in season, I have no problem with LaFleur doing that. I have no problem with him getting involved in the defensive conversation. I'm glad he did. I, I watched being there. I watched as the defense was getting ready to come out towards the end of the game. I wanted to see what Joe Barry's demeanor on the sideline was. Be there live gives you an opportunity. You can watch whatever you want. You're not at the mercy of what the cameras show. And I was, you know, I even remarked out loud at the point I was I was impressed that LaFleur was delegating and kind of letting Barry speak because I said to myself, as I, if I was the head coach, I'd want to at least listen in on what the defensive coordinator is saying. But LaFleur gave Barry a space. Now, at that point, we didn't know that, and realized that they had already spoken earlier. But I, I that stuck, stood out to me. And as the captain of the ship, you know, Matt LaFleur knows that if this team doesn't make the playoffs and they don't make a deep run, there is going to be a lot of disappointment and scrutiny from the team, from the media, from fans. I would be all up in Barry's business as well. And Joe Barry has to understand that. And I think he probably was was told or if he, if he didn't know before Monday night's game he knows now that his head coach is definitely going to have some input 
if the defense is not doing what LaFleur thinks they need to do. And as a head coach, he's got that right. He also has to understand, he being LaFleur, he made the decision to hire Joe Barry. And as the final say there, LaFleur is on the hook for what Barry does or does not do. I am absolutely going to hold Matt LaFleur accountable for how the defense performs this season. He hired Joe Barry. He didn't get Jim Leonard. Okay. But he hired Joe Barry. We know his track record isn't great. I get that he's down one of his best players right now. Zadarius Smith is out. The defensive line is nothing to write home about. Man, are they average. They were so average Monday night. And they're getting pushed around. They can't get an ounce of pressure. They can't do anything. Stopping the run? Not sure. Doesn't look great. Barry's got a young corner trying to take over the starting job and upgrade the secondary. It all comes together to be still a big question mark. They don't, the the defense does not seem to be the type that can play from behind and keep the team in it without the offense giving up some cushion. So, you know, the, the offense has to go out and score and the defense can be a little bit more aggressive and they're, they're okay. But if they get down 7, 10, 17, it's tough sledding with this defense. So it's still early in the season, but here comes a big test against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. And whether it's fair or not, it's a big litmus test already in week three for the Joe Barry defense. If they go out and look like week one all over again, the questions and concern level immediately returns and immediately elevates. So to put a nice bow on this whole defensive topic, I'll just say that I can't at this point, I can't put my stamp of approval on the Joe Barry defense yet. I don't know that I can bring myself to expect much this season either. Until I see it, I don't know what what else I can expect. I just haven't seen anything exciting. But if you go out and beat a really good offense and control the line of scrimmage, then, you know, we can talk. We can have a conversation about it. But the defense has their work cut out for them. Absolutely do. As for the offense, they looked a lot more like themselves. Aaron Jones was a monster. Got himself into the Packers history book with four touchdowns, three of which were were via reception. It's been nearly 80 years since the Packers running back has done that. Jones was spectacular. The Packers needed that spark. He's such a great player when he gets the ball. And he's just such a great guy. I don't know if you saw the news clipping or the story, but his pendant that has the ashes of his father that he wears around his neck during the games, he lost that in the end zone at one point during the game, and it was found by one of the Packers staffers. Jones is just simply, he's, he's a guy that has to get the ball. The Packers stopped using him in week one. They gave up on the run. They have to keep him on the field. They have to keep working the ball to him. We saw what he can do when he has it. He's so dynamic. Anytime he touches the ball, he's capable of doing great things. And if that's the case, then he's almost more worthwhile to be out there than in Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, MVS, and certain packages. Find a way to keep him involved, regardless of the score. Because you've got to, you have a chance. He's got a chance to hit a home run anytime he comes up to the plate. And you can never have too many points in a football game. So Aaron Jones was absolutely fantastic. If you had him on your fantasy team, congratulations. You won 
your matchup uh, un- unless you just absolutely drafted poorly and had nobody else playing. He was fantastic. So great to see the shades back on on the sideline. Aaron Rodgers. Can't go an entire show without talking about the quarterback. Had a nice night. Four touchdowns on the Pat McAfee show this week. He hits back at some of those who've been critical of his week one performance and the optics that he didn't care, didn't play well. He knows that. Rodgers said it's the same people who are calling him out, question why they even have a platform to say what they do. They're not in the locker room. Why are they commenting? Now, on the one hand, it's true. They're not there. They haven't been with the team for a long time or their media, and they're not in the locker room. They don't know what he's dealing with. They don't know what the team is dealing with. On the other hand, all of this that is being questioned about Rodgers, you know, this stuff between the team and the quarterback has been created over the past five months. So it's not completely uninvited. I mean, Rodgers can continue to silence this contingent with more performances like this week's if he has an issue with it, go out and light the world up. And take away the questions about whether you're dedicated and committed. You know, for what it's worth, I talk about some of the things that I could see being in the stands. One one thing I did see was during a timeout, I don't remember which teammate it was, but one of the teammates' shoes obviously needed to be retied. Aaron Rodgers is retying one of his teammates' shoes on the field. So say what you will and, and how minute and dumb that is. But, you know, he's at least a little bit of a team player if he's willing to help tie his teammate's shoe. So... Put up some numbers. Go out and put up a game, a big game. Again, the Packers are all in. There's no excuses. You have to play within the offense, score some points, hit the open guy, or throw a touchdown pass like you did to Robert Tunyon. Don't throw to the open guy and still make the throw because the throw is fantastic and the catch is great too. And the defense is going to need it, like I said earlier. So this offense needs all of the horses working hard out there. So that's, that'll, that'll tie up the, the Lions game, some of the takeaways there that I had on that whole situation. Again, we're still in wait-and-see mode. But those, those are, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the defense, Joe Barry. The microscope is on. So on to the game against the 49ers. San Francisco is now 2-0. They've won two games on the road. They open up at home. Uh, they open their home slate against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. I had the Packers winning this game in my season preview show we did two weeks ago. Jake Westendorf and Paul Brettel both had the Packers losing this one. This was to be their first loss. after And after the week one performance, I have to say, I mean, even this past game, as great as it was to see, wasn't enough for me to come around and say that they can pull this off. I mean, they certainly could. The Packers, this team can win any game. I think they can still do it. But until I see it, I can't put my name behind it. So I'm going to go with the Niners, but I do expect the Packers to be competitive. And I said before Monday night's game, just beat the Lions and play competitive against the 49ers and you're back in the conversation. They have played some very bad games against San Francisco over the past two seasons in the Matt LaFleur era. And when the Niners are healthy, they played some of their worst games. So Matt LaFleur needs to get this monkey off his back. The Packers could very well end up back in San Francisco if they don't win this game in the playoffs. Probably not a place they want to be. The Niners could be back. I think the NFC West is going to be the best division, one of the best divisions in football, if not the best. 
I think all four teams are going to the playoffs this year. We'll see what Seattle does. They're probably going to – I'll be fine if Seattle doesn't go. But I think that division is going to be really good. And the 49ers could very easily be at the top of that division. So we shall see. So I think the Packers will struggle. They, they'll you know, they come away empty. They'll be one and two. They'll be under 500 once again. But, again, it's early in the season. And the Packers may benefit from getting this litmus test. If they pull it off, maybe they benefit from San Francisco not being totally put together yet. And, you know, the Niners haven't gotten their, their feet under them. They took down the Lions in week one. The Lions played very competitively against the 49ers at, at home. And San Francisco then just beat Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles, on the road as well. So that's going to wrap it up here for the Quick Slams podcast. As we head into the weekend, everybody enjoy the rest of this week. Enjoy the game on Sunday night. Just take it all in. Give it time. As much as it's an all-in season, there's still some interesting nuances and some learning curves going on with Joe Barry and the defense and everything else. So hopefully the Packers can surprise us. But regardless, I will be. Uh, I am traveling again this weekend, but I will be back in time to do the Quick Slants podcast for Monday, which will be a recap of the Sunday night game against the San Francisco 49ers. Hopefully I'm bringing some good news. In the meantime, thanks again to everybody who was there at the Game on Wisconsin party. Thank you, the state of Wisconsin, for your awesome hospitality this past weekend. It was an absolute pleasure. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. And as always, go Pack Go. Rodgers fakes the handoff. Quick throw right side. There's Devontae. From right to left, cutting left to the 50, to the 45-40. Track down from behind. 